Samsung and LG are licensing their smart TV operating systems to competitor TV manufacturers. Why are they doing it and how will it impact the increasingly crowded TV OS market? Listen on to find out. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News and Colin Dixon from End Screen Media is with me. Hey there, Colin. How's everything? It's very good, Will. I've just uh, gotten back. I'm, I'm playing hooky from the TV of Tomorrow show, which was in San Francisco. I was there this morning, and I will be back there again tomorrow. Tomorrow, I've got a fascinating panel on the streaming industry technology. So, a pack full of experts who are going to give their opinions on where things are going there. So, uh, it's in an absolutely beautiful location uh, down at Fort Mason, overlooking Alcatraz and the bay. It's really lovely, Will. Sounds good. Well, maybe next week you'll share some of your key takeaways from uh, participating. I would love to do that. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's talk about some news items. Yep. I think you're getting us started today, right? I am, yes. And very interesting piece this week. Um, not earth-shattering news. The news is that Tubi has hit the 200-channel 200, 200 milestone for its service. And Tubi, of course, is mostly known as an Avod player, uh, an advertising-supported video-on-demand platform. But it has been not so quietly building up its linear channels after it saw the success of Pluto TV. I guess the writing was on the wall that it really needed to join the market. And it has done that, done that now. It says um, it has news category, offers over 100 local station feeds. So it has local news, um, including Fox-owned and operated TV stations, because, of course, Tubi is owned by Fox. And it has a bunch of entertainment station channels like Lionsgate, Filmrise, Cinedyne. It's even started a FIFA World Cup Fast channel, which, of course, the World Cup is imminently happening here, I think just over a month away, uh, which we're all excited about. Uh, at least I'm all excited about it. I don't know if you are, Will. Uh, so it's really done a good job of filling out these, these channels. And what this really says to me is, as I say, it's not earth-shattering, but what it really shows, Will, is that there really now is no difference between a 2B and a Pluto TV. Pluto TV also has plenty of on-demand content, it's merely in how we think about them. And the truth is that they're all what we call fast services. There's, we don't apply fast just to linear. We apply it to all free ad-supported streaming TV services. So uh, that's um, interesting news about Tubi. But uh, I think a lesson learned there for the whole market that we should be referring to the, a free service that's ad-supported as a fast, whether it's on demand or linear. So does that mean the term AVOD is going the way of the buffalo? I think it probably should, Will, because it's actually pretty confused. I've, I've looked into this, and when you look online, you find various de definitions. And some of the definitions very specifically say AVOD, AVOD must be free. Uh, and some of, them, some of them don't say that. But, uh, I mean, what would you say? I mean, advertising video on demand should really include things like Hulu. Um, Hulu is a paid service. It's no free part, but 
but it has in its in its entry level it's advertising supported and it's video on demand so it's avod so you know i guess we can still use the term but there's just no implication of free if you want to talk about free ad supported services you should really call them fast right whether they're avod or they unspool as a linear like stream that that's exactly right um, fair enough that's why i that's why i've i've been talking about virtual linear channels because i you know that's i wanted to differentiate those from traditional tv but anyway uh, that's that i thought was interesting news yeah i agree um switching over to my news item uh, which we both actually read about this week was meta uh formerly known as facebook or parent company to facebook i guess uh has um, introduced a new VR headset. But what caught our attention is a partnership that they struck with NBC Universal, where they will partner to bring some of uh, Peacock, uh, the Peacock streaming app and a number of different NBCU programs to MetaQuest VR headsets. Uh, not expected to see the launch of that until sometime in 2023. That would be part of Meta's Horizon Worlds service. And um, I guess the properties, the NBCU properties include The Office, um, DreamWorks, Universal Monsters, DreamWorks Animation, Blumhouse, and uh, Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. So another uh, move on the part of Meta to try to get some mainstream content into um, the Horizon Worlds service, and uh, boy, that new headset, high end, is going to be a fifteen hundred bucks. Though, Colin, you're going to go out and grab one of those? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it's li literally three times the cost of the existing yeah. top of the line model that they have, which seems a little extreme. And I think that that really underlines something very specific about the market. Yet, yeah. and this is really we're, we're still metaverse on training wheels. Will I think? One of the reasons that Meta is having trouble attracting this type of content um, at, is because A, the audiences aren't there, B, the, the market models really aren't proven, particularly for uh, uh, what we would call traditional media. Uh, so we're still a long way from mass market adoption of this, except, well, it's, it's, it's being used a lot in gaming. But there, the business models is, uh, are, much, are much clearer. Uh, in entertainment, we still have a ways to go, I think, before uh, we really figure out how to use Metaverse the way that um, the way that we're all going to want to. The interesting thing is here, I, I mean, they're taking very popular properties like The Office and putting them in um, Horizons, uh, in Meta's Horizons, Horizons world. And that should be interesting. I mean, if you're big office fan maybe this gives you the opportunity i don't know to participate in your favorite episode or hang out with the characters uh, but i assume that these characters are going to be computer generated so they're you know they're only going to have a very restricted set of things that they can do i just don't know how how <laughs> interesting this will be um, with the new headset it'd be much higher resolution and they say the new headset will carry with it some of your facial um, expressions. So it's actually reading whether you're smiling, where you're looking, that, that type of thing. So it will reflect those in your avatar in the environment. 
but you know, I assume the actors who play these are not going to be hanging out in virtual in this virtual world the whole time. So therefore, they must be computer generated. So I don't know, you know, how satisfying this will be, but uh, maybe I'll get the five hundred dollar headset. We'll um, check it out and, and see what's going on there. But uh, it won't arrive till twenty twenty three. So we still have a while to wait before we can experience this. Well, Mark Zuckerberg says virtual reality isn't some obscure hobby anymore, but it sounds like you would not agree with that. Well, by definition, if if we all aren't in there watching our favorite entertainment, hanging out with our favorite entertainers, no, it's not mainstream by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. except possibly with the exception of gaming, where it's proved its chops um, being in an immersive environment, playing a lot of the games in the virtual world is very compelling, a very compelling experience. But bringing that to the general entertainment world and to the real mass mass market is still, well, <laughs> I was looking at the head, head, headsets themselves, Will, and although they say it's more comfortable than any before, it still looks pretty weighty. It still looks fairly restrictive in that it's, it's cutting you off it, they say it's partially, you can see partially into the real world while you're wearing that headset. But uh, not, notwithstanding, we need something much lighter on our faces, much more natural on our faces. And lighter on our wallets also, I think. If they're well, increasing the price for threefold sure. <laughs> for the high end to 1500 that's not going to drive this into the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. And actually, actually um, there was somebody on one of the panels I was watching at TV Tomorrow Show this morning. Somebody said that he thought he compared um, Meta's Horizon World with sort of AOL. He said, you know, AOL was the Internet before there was an Internet. And we were really learning what it meant. It was a completely private environment. And we were really learning what it meant to do that sort of thing. And as soon as Netscape Browser came along, then we were done, right? We, we, we didn't need AOL anymore, except to connect us to the internet and give, give us our browser so that we could browse the internet. And that's what it became. Uh, and I think that that's where we are probably at with Horizon. Uh, it's, it's a starting point. It's a way for us to figure out some of the business models and how some of this will work. Uh, but the the eventual solution will probably come outside of that environment in a more open environment that's if you like the internet of the metaverse yeah, i would i would just amend slightly the demise of aol not just the netscape browser but also the rollout of broadband internet service because well, remember that, yes, aol was all of, about uh, those phone modems and <laughs> as soon as people could get away from those they did this is absolutely true. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember those 28K or 56K modems? I'd rather Boy. not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we transition to um, our main story this week, which is picking up on a piece that you wrote about Samsung licensing its um, TV OS and how that's intensifying competition in the market? Yeah, yeah. This was a pretty interesting um, announcement. So this harks back to an announcement actually Samsung made last year where it said it was going to start a Samsung Tizen TV platform licensing program. And things, I guess, have been jogging along in the background. And on Monday, it announced a partnership with uh, f uh, three TV OEMs, Atbacker, HKC, and 
Tempo, which will allow non-Samsung TVs to ship with the Tizen OS. Uh, and they say it's going to happen by the end of this year. So they, TV brands that will be shipping using Tizen include Born, Linzar, Sunny, Vispa, and several others, they say, which will be primarily in markets like Australia, Italy, New Zealand, Spain, Turkey, and the United Kingdom. And so, you know, these are not big household names. We, they're not like Samsung. So they're much smaller brands that will be shipping with this. Um, but, you know, they're getting the full experience. It will include Bixby, which is Samsung's voice assistant, and it will include the universal guide and the recommendations and, and, and all of the rest. Um, the, one of the big wins, uh, wins for TVOMs, of course, is that they will get the pre-integrated Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, YouTube, etc. All of those apps which have already been pre-integrated with the platform. And of course, they will be getting Samsung TV Plus, which is Samsung's fast TV service, uh, which is built into the Tizen OS. Um, it's accessible from the, from the menu, uh, which is down at the bottom of the, of the screen on, on, to the right. Uh, to the left rather on a samsung tv so they'll all be getting those and you know samsung has been working pretty hard on their fast tv service it's basically grown i think it probably has something like uh, 200 channels as well will last time i was looking there seemed to be plenty of plenty to watch there and i know that they've been working really hard that's just the ones that we can see here in the us they've also licensed a whole bunch of content for the rest of the world so Samsung TV Plus is very much a world product. Um, they've, in fact, they've recently enhanced the logo. Although, to be honest, I didn't see a great deal of difference in the thing, but uh, it, it, they say it's more, quote, world-friendly. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's what Samsung's doing, and, and they've gotten people to agree to license the software and use it on their TVs. And I think you're... I think your point also in your piece was that Samsung is really not going to generate a whole lot of licensing revenue from these deals with these smaller fry um, uh, local TV manufacturers, but rather this is a play on the services and advertising side in particular. I, I think it is, Will, and that's why I, you know, I mentioned Samsung TV Plus. I think that's a very important part of the equation. Uh, one of the reasons that I don't think they can expect to earn any licensing revenue is that I know Android TV is available for free to TV OEMs. So they can they have to agree to a certain license terms. But once they agree to those terms, they can use Android TV for free. Um, now, of course, that gives uh, that that gives Google access to a lot of the money generating uh, things that you can do with a smart TV once you agree to use it, um, but uh, they can get it for free. So I really think that in an environment where you can get one very powerful smart TV OS with just about every single um, uh, streaming TV service available in the in the store, once you have an environment like that that's going for free, it's really hard to come in and expect to charge anything significant for the TVOS that's going to that's gonna run it, particularly one 
from a company like Samsung, which is a very large competitor in just about every TV market in the world, right? So I think it's highly unlikely that they'll be able to charge anything for uh, in license fees. So you've got to ask, well, why are they doing it? And so it's got to be for the advertising revenue that they can make through products like Samsung TV Plus and through through placement in the interface and through you know, uh, various other advertising opportunities and money-making opportunities on the platform. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And, um, you know, it sort of harkens back to our conversation with Gear Skoden from Xperi last, on last week's podcast, where he was emphasizing the market's need for an independent source on the TVOS side. And, um, you know, this raises the question about what the dynamics are for these smaller manufacturers to use an OS that's tied to an existing TV brand like Samsung's. And what does that mean for them? And also how the competition may be changing in some of these markets where these local manufacturers have had a decent um, position. And for Samsung, certainly, it feels like, um, you know, maybe more of a defensive move, as you point out with Google coming in, Roku still having a strong position, LG, talked about Xperi with TiVo. Samsung may regard this as, um, even if they can't make money off of licensing, they just want to prevent another guy from getting the getting the business. Yeah, absolutely true. And you mentioned LG. LG also had an announcement this week. They have a new version of WebOS, which is its smart TV OS, um, called WebOS Hub. And uh, they're, they're already in market with WebOS on RCA, Ionzo, Conquer, and Alista TVs. Uh, they say that this new LG Web WebOS Hub will be available on 200 smart TV brands, so that's a pretty pretty big thing. And they're they're also taking a play at this independent or at least white label. They're not getting WebOS and LG in the interface. They're allowing the people that license it to actually brand it as their own. And uh, again, it also comes with marquee features like content recommendations, game mode, and many others. Um, and of course, WebOS Hub also includes LG Channels, which is its fast service, which also has 200 or so channels of content. And they've also been working to build up strong international content as well. So, uh, you know, they're taking a play at this um, heavily customized interface that you can make your own uh, but it's very hard to argue that they're independent because again i think they're the second biggest television maker in the world so they're competing with all of the people that they're licensing the web os to so i think this does give folks like tivo a little bit of a, a little bit of an advantage right they can truly claim that they are independent but they're not going to compete with their customers and and that there's a, an opportunity for them to prosper. And and as Gia said, he wants them to participate in the revenue side of things, the ad side of things, because they have uh, fast services as well. And boy, when you think about it, Will, this has gotten awfully <laughs> competitive, awfully, awfully quickly. Two that we haven't mentioned yet, of course, is... Comcast with its SX class TVs, it's also participating in the market for TV, TV OSs. Um, and, uh, you know, th there's, there's also sitting on the sidelines Vizio. Now, to this date, 
Vizio hasn't licensed its smartwatch TV interface, but boy, I would not be at all surprised if it did launch smart TV, smartwatch rather, as a TV OS and license it to other providers because it has the watch free service, its fast service, tightly bound in there. Um, and then, of course, we also have Amazon Fire TV is also being licensed to, to, to TV manufacturers. Uh, and, and of course, we, we can't say any of this without mentioning Roku. Roku was one of the first uh, players to start licensing the Roku OS to TV manufacturers. So this has gotten incredibly competitive very, very quickly. And I can tell you, TV manufacturers are not just sticking with one provider. Most of them have several different TV OSs available on their sets and let consumers decide which one they want to use. Yeah, and you mentioned Roku, and it certainly feels like all of these uh, newcomers are taking a page out of Roku's playbook because it's been years now, of course, since Roku launched the Roku channel. It's been licensing its uh, Roku OS to other manufacturers, and, um, and now everybody else wants to get a piece of that piece of that pie, I think. I think they do, Will. And so I'm really, I'm really expecting there sort of, <laughs> there sort of be a, a big alignment between all of these providers. I mentioned I thought I, we would see Vizio start to license smartwatch to other TV manufacturers. I think Vizio will also release Watch Free as a standalone app for mobile and, and make it run on other TV OSs. It makes total sense, right? Um, with free content, you want as many people watching it as possible. I think uh, we'll see Comcast. It will add Zumo, which it owns, to its fast service. Excuse me. Well, we'll want Zumo, which is its fast service on X-Class TV OS. Yep. And um, I think the last thing is that we'll we'll see Google add fast service to Android TV, which doesn't currently have one, but uh, I think they almost certainly will add one. Um, I keep wondering if they'll leverage YouTube to do it, but uh, I don't know, maybe maybe not. Maybe it'll be something else entirely, but I do think that they will add it. And I remember a um, couple of, couple of uh, financial reviews ago, Roku CEO Anthony Wood said that he thought he would that, that there would be consolidation in the TVOS market, and since he said that, I think I think actually it's gotten much more fragmented. We've had new entrants, we've had people that weren't licensing now licensing, so it's gotten a lot more competitive, not less competitive. And I don't see any consolidation in this market anytime soon. Yeah, I was just going to say. Uh, when it comes to smart TVs, so much for them following the um, smartphone model of a duopoly between Android and iOS. Uh, yeah, and, it's and, fragmentation and, and, to the max. Yeah, I mean, who can and who can blame them for avoiding doing that? Well, I mean, gosh, <laughs> Samsung and LG lived lived through that, and they basically had to yep. sit there and watch yep. all of the revenue that they could have earned. Through advertising, through you know, uh, getting people on the platform, uh, the apps, all of that revenue now goes to Google, not to them. And I can tell you, they will never let that happen on their TVs. Never. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I think we're just about out of time here, Colin. Unless you had any other thoughts on the TVOS market, you want to share? 
Uh, no, no, Will. I think uh, I think that's probably just about enough for today. Okay, fair enough. Well, thanks everyone for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Stream, and we will see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.